Today we begin a five-month journey through the book of Hebrews. In my opinion, the book of Hebrews is one of the most fascinating books of the Bible. Not, not only is Hebrews a powerfully articulated celebration of the supremacy of Jesus, his matchlessness, it's also jam-packed with Old Testament references. Really, the, the entire story of the Bible is baked into this single book. And so, that means we have our work cut out for us, right? Traditionally, the, the book of Hebrews has been attributed to the Apostle Paul, though we, we can't say for sure. Um, but whoever the author is, it's clear that he expected his audience to be well acquainted with the characters and the institutions and the procedures and the laws and the promises and the scriptures of ancient Israel. But when he writes about the, the interplay of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, or when he writes about um, the Levitical priesthood and the Melchizedekian priesthood, we'll talk about that later on. When, when he talks about the, the distinctions between Israelite worship and Christian worship, he's not just trying to impress us with his Bible knowledge. He writes these things for a very practical reason. He wants us to understand just how much better we have it now that Jesus has come. Just how much better we have it now that Jesus has come. Hebrews was originally written to a group of Jesus followers, predominantly Jewish, who were living somewhere in Italy, most likely Rome. And this, this gives us important context for understanding why the book of Hebrews was written in the first place. Why did Jewish Christians in Rome need to hear this particular teaching? Well, in the Roman Empire at this time, Judaism was officially tolerated. It was a state-sanctioned religion. You could, for the most part, be a faithful Jew without upsetting the governing authorities. But the same was not true for Christians. Even though, even though Christianity began as a movement from within Judaism, it obviously had some distinctive features, the identity of Jesus being chief among those distinctive features. And so for these Jewish Christians, there, there would have no doubt been a, a constant temptation, a constant temptation to de-emphasize or to conceal or maybe even to reject or deny the distinctively Christian dimensions of their faith. There would have been a constant temptation to, to downplay the difference between traditional Jewish beliefs and practices and the beliefs and practices of the early church. And so the author of Hebrews systematically addresses this temptation by repeatedly demonstrating the preeminence of Jesus. Jesus is better Jesus is unrivaled. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the culmination of all of God's purposes. Therefore, do not abandon the faith. Do not abandon the faith. Do not fall away. If Jesus is the culmination of all God's purposes, then to abandon him is to abandon hope itself. Let me read the first three verses again. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is not how most New Testament epistles begin. There is no greeting. The author is not identified. The audience is not identified. It sounds more like the beginning of an essay. In in fact, some scholars believe the book of Hebrews was originally a sermon that later got turned into a letter. But regardless, the author wastes no time. We are immediately presented with the first of many ways in which Jesus is preeminent. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Throughout the Old Testament, from from Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 on, the God of the Bible is a speaking God. The God of the Bible communicates with his people. He tells them who they are. He instructs them how to live. He tells them who he is. And he he even tells them what he's going to do. And this is a wonderful thing. Think about it. It didn't have to be like that. God didn't have to speak to us. He could have just left us to our own devices, or he could have abandoned the whole project as soon as we rebelled against him. But the fact that he continues to be a speaking God is evidence of his graciousness. He cares about the world he has created. He loves what he has made. And that is very good news for us. But even so, there was something incomplete There was something incomplete about God's communication through the prophets. The Old Testament simply does not tell us all we need to know about God and his redemptive plan for the world. And so, because God is gracious, because he refuses to communicate less than we need to know, and because he desires to reveal himself in all of his glorious fullness, In these last days, it says, God has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the final and definitive word of God. God has now spoken the word of words. No further clarification is needed. Because of Jesus, we know what God is like. And because of Jesus, we know what God is doing in this world. And we haven't always known this, but now we do. And again, this is a very practical thing. God is just like Jesus. Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, is just like Jesus. If you have doubts, or if you are disturbed by certain things in the Old Testament, or disturbed by certain things in the New Testament. If you're struggling to understand, that is okay. The story of the Bible invites you to wrestle with God. 
But as you do, you need to remember, according to Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is what the God of the Bible is like. He is the final and definitive word of God. And so if you question God's goodness, look to the goodness of Jesus. If you question God's wisdom, look to the wisdom of Jesus. If you question God's love or attentiveness or faithfulness or inclusiveness, look to Jesus. He is the exact imprint of what God is like. All of our our doubts and our questions are, are relativized and put into their proper place by the radiance of the exact imprint of God's nature, Jesus Christ. What else do we learn about Jesus from these verses? Who is this Son of God? We're told that he is the appointed heir of all things. We're told that the world was created through him. We're told that he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is to the Father what sun rays are to the sun. We're told that he is, again, the the exact imprint of God's nature. We're told that he upholds the universe by his powerful word. We're told that he made purification for sins. And we're told that he is seated on the throne in heaven. In short, Jesus is our creator. Jesus is our sustainer. Jesus is our purifier. And Jesus is our ruler. All things were created through Jesus. Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the divine word through which all things were spoken into existence. But he didn't just create everything. He also sustains everything. He didn't make it all and then move on. He has always been personally present and active in the affairs of the world. In this very moment, He is holding the universe together. He is holding the cells in your body together by his powerful word. And yet, since pretty much the moment we were created, mankind has been walking around this this beautiful and this glorious world and staring up at this beautiful and glorious universe Yet, too self-centered, too faithless, too distracted, too blind, too busy, too anxious to see and to be aware of and to appreciate the creating and sustaining work of the Son of God. And so, again, we needed an even fuller revelation. And because God is gracious, because he refuses to communicate less than we need to know, because he desires to reveal himself in all of his glorious fullness, the Son of God, through whom all things were created, entered into that created order to be born of a, vir- of a virgin, of a woman, 
to do the will of his father, to love his neighbor, to preach the kingdom, to be flogged and nailed to a piece of wood. Jesus is our creator. Jesus is our sustainer. Jesus is our purifier. And therefore, he is our rightful ruler. Jesus has all authority over the universe. Not only because he created it, and not only because he sustains it, but also because he redeemed it. And he will reign, in the words of Hebrews, quoting Psalm 110, he will reign until his enemies are made into a footstool for his feet. He will reign until the nations are his, are gathered in and his. He will reign until the death of death. He will reign until all of creation knows and experiences his shalom, his peace and flourishing. So when when Jesus sent his church to, to go and disciple the nations, it was based upon a reality that had already been established. Jesus is the heir of all things. Everything already belongs to him. He owns it all already. Jesus is already the king of kings. It's an accomplished fact. And so the mission of the church, the mission of the church is not a campaign to get everyone to vote for Jesus so that he can be king sometime in the future. The mission of the church is to declare the universal lordship of Jesus, whether the world accepts that lordship or not. And that, brothers and sisters, must have been such good news to this group of first century Jewish Christians. Times were tough. And they were in danger of giving up. They were facing public ridicule, physical assault, prison time, the plundering of their homes. To follow Jesus was a potentially deadly commitment at this point. And so they they are processing the prospect of losing not only their lives, but their spouses and their children. And so, yes, they were in danger of compromising, just like we would be under the same circumstances, just like we are under the current circumstances. We are in danger of compromising. And so over the next few months, the book of Hebrews is going to say to us, hold fast your confidence. Hold fast your confession. Hold fast your hope. Strive to enter the Sabbath rest of God. Have the full assurance of hope until the end. And how do we do that? We do that by lifting up our eyes, by fixing our gaze and focusing our attention, not not to ourselves, not to our own inner strength, and certainly not to our circumstances, which we really can't control, but to the creator, sustainer, purifier, ruler of the world, 
to Jesus on his heavenly throne. He is God's final word. Jesus is God's final word, the definitive word. The Son of God reigns now. So don't give up. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the ruler of the world. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a speaking God. Thank you for revealing yourself in all of your glorious fullness. Jesus, you are preeminent. We, we proclaim your preeminence. Please deliver us from, from the, the constant temptation to compromise. We cling to you. Holy Spirit, fill us with hope. Fill us with confidence to hold fast and keep us focused on our creator, sustainer, purifier, and ruler. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.